I am delighted to introduce a friend, someone that I've known for a period of time and getting to know even better as we both attend the same church. He's on staff there and I'm an elder, but this is Jason Botbile. Jason, thanks for joining us for a few minutes. Oh, thanks, thanks for having me. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm excited. Uh, me too. He's a good guy. You're going to see what a good guy this guy is. But uh, let me tell you a little about Jason. He's raised in Muskegon, Michigan, grew up in a single parent home where he witnessed physical abuse, alcoholism, and brokenness. We'll be talking about that a little bit more. He came to know Jesus nonetheless. And then well, that's just so exciting. As a young adult, and a few years later, he sensed the call of God in his life to preach the gospel while attending his mom's graduation ceremony from a rehab program. Boy, you got an amazing story, uh, Jason. He moved to Grand Rapids in 2001 and began pursuing that call. And since that time, he has led men's and marriage small groups and retreats. He now preaches at conferences, churches, high schools, even he's been at jails and juvenile detention centers to proclaim the gospel. He served as the lead chaplain at the Kent County Correctional Facility, formerly known as the uh, Kent County Jail here in Grand Rapids, and for several years, and is currently serving as minister and director of men's and marriage ministries at Calvary Church on the East Beltline in Grand Rapids. Uh, Education-wise, he has a master's in ministry leadership for the Grand Rapids Theological Seminary. He is married to his dear wife, Julie. They have three kids and three grandkids. And bottom line is, uh, God has gifted Jason to preach the gospel. I've heard him a number of times, and he's good at it, and also to minister to those who are lost and broken. His heart desires to lead people to Christ, encourage them toward a deeper relationship with him. So again, Jason, thank you for being with us today. <laughs> well, it was a lot there, yeah. Thank and you. It's quite a bit, man. You've been through a lot, so... I think a lot of people would, would be interested because, you know, you came from a background that, humanly speaking, you should not be a pastor at Calvary Church in Grand Rapids, you know? you, you Who knows where you'd end up, but somehow God got control of your life. Tell us that story a little bit more detail. How'd that happen? So, um, you know, I'll, I'll, I won't do the long, the, the long story, but, okay. uh, you know, shortly upon being introduced to Christ, my life was just at a, a a place where it was just, you know, as a high school dropout, uh, you know, selling drugs, hanging out, drinking, partying, you know, just doing what what people in my neighborhood did. You were doing all of that. And, How did you come yeah. to Christ? How'd that happen? So there was a neighbor lady that lived across the street that every once in a while she would come over and invite me to church. And what's funny, Randy, is, you know, the other neighbors were calling the police on me. But she would every once in a while come over and invite me to church. In fact, one time she uh, came over, she had noticed I attended the same gym that she went to okay. and I had stopped going there. And she came over and asked me, you know, why aren't you going to the gym no more? I told her, I don't really you know, feel like paying the money for it. Wow. And she says, you know, I really think you should, you know, get back in the gym. This is something positive. And, you know, a few days later, she came over and handed me a paid gym membership amazing that is yeah amazing. yeah so 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 then the you know things just started getting more and more difficult and you know i i was involved in a relationship 
and uh you know ha- had put my whole heart into this relationship mm. this girl broke up with me because mm. she said i wasn't going to do anything with my life i wasn't going to be anything and i was just devastated wow. uh, to the point where where i wanted to take my life so i got up one morning i gave my mom a hug my sister a hug i have an older brother he wasn't living with me at the time i'm probably about 18 years old at this point i i gave them a hug and i had a plan in mind to go to the store up the street it was Plum's grocery store on Lakedon mm-hmm. Avenue in Muskegon, Lakedon and Wood. And I was going to take these pills and come home and just go downstairs in the basement where my bedroom was. Mm-hmm. And that would be it. Wow. You know, I, I looked around me. There was nothing but brokenness. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, my mom's broken family. It, yeah, it was just, a, there was no hope. And um, on my way home uh, that day, I remember it was a rainy day and I'm just crying and oh. just a mess. Oh. Something told me to go over to that lady's house that had been inviting me to church. Wow. And uh, that was the day I met uh, the Lord. And she explained to me that, that uh, you know, I told her, I knocked on the door. I said, I'm thinking about taking my life. I don't know what to do. Can you help me? And she said, yes. She got a big smile on her face. She invited me in. And she told me that this was God calling me, that this brokenness, that desperation was him getting my attention to cry out to him. And that was the day I gave my life to the Lord. Wow. Isn't that amazing? She must have been praying for you, Jason, don't you think? I th- I think so. I mean, I, I really do. She, she had to have been because God put I you th- on her heart. And and as you say, many of your neighbors were calling the police on you. She was calling God on you. She, she was Amen. praying to God to get your life and kept inviting you to to do giving you that that membership of the gym and and then leading yeah. Jesus isn't that amazing? Yeah, she was just building a bridge. And you know, I think about in my life now so many times where I feel like God is is moving me to invite someone. Yes, and how I don't really want to do it. So I wonder sometimes how many arguments she had with the Lord, not wanting to cross that street and invite me, but her pressing through made oh. all the difference in my life. What what a lesson to all of us, though, to hear the Holy Spirit and obey when he calls us to connect with a young person or in, a neighbor or whatever. Uh, that made all the difference. Amen. So you, you gave your life to Christ. Did you immediately get perfect and everything? was well, the- <laughs> yeah, yeah, so there was a, a process there. I think about when, um, you know, when Jesus called Lazarus out of the tomb. And yep. there's a line in there where it says where he tells the people standing around to take the grave clothes yes, off of yes, him. Yes, yes, yes. And to me, I liken that to discipleship. There are some things the Bible says that were born in born in sin and shaped in iniquity. Mm-hmm. And so there's some things that needed to come off. I had some grave clothes that I needed help with getting taken off mm-hmm. of my life. And, you know, I didn't really tell anybody. What had occurred, I thought my friends would laugh at, you know, so I was kind of this undercover Christian Mm -hmm. for a while. And so, um, yeah, I really struggled with trying to live out what I was reading because I really loved right away, immediately. I I felt like I was hearing from God. I was drawn to his word, but I couldn't carry out. I couldn't carry out what he was asking me to do. Mm, And so condemnation and all this stuff, I didn't know. I didn't know how to deal with that. You know, I was alone. So I would, I guess I would be known as kind of someone who was in a backslidden slate state for a while. Yep. So it was, it was a struggle for me. How how did that begin to turn? What, what happened in your life to help you begin to grow 
and get the power of the Holy Spirit then to give you the power to to live it again, not perfectly, well, but better. So yeah, yeah, because I felt like a hypocrite, you know, with with the way I was still living my life and then coming to church, and so I just kind of uh, drew drew away from you know being amongst God's people and, and right. kind of isolated. And, uh, you know, at this time I was working at Herman Miller in, in Holland. And so sure. I'm com uh, uh, commuting from Muskegon to Holland sure. and I happened to pick up a daily bread and the daily bread would be my, my daily bread each day. So that okay. yep. was slowly yep. God started to, to use just reading <laughs> that and, 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 and praying and, you know, just to start to stir something in my life because sure. I had felt right away um, that God had called me to pro proclaim his word. I was seeing, you know, it was easy for me to invite people in and talk mm -hmm. about the gospel and, you know, people, uh, people were coming to the Lord, stuff like that was happening. But I really, you know, I just had some things in my life that needed to go. Sure. And uh, yeah. it was kind of a slow process for me to come out of some yeah. of that. Okay. But eventually you obviously did. And then you. Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. I was actually at my, uh, that's at, was at my mother's uh, graduation. She was, she had just gotten out of jail, wow. uh, third offense, drunk driving. And instead of going to prison, the judge sent her, sentenced her to a place, a rehab place that was partly biblical and part, um, um, What's that? A therapeutic or uh, yeah, yeah, like yeah. a therapy type sure, of thing? Sure. Yep, clinical. Yep. That's the word. Clinical. Okay. And so uh, she was graduating from this program. Mm -hmm. My aunt called me and said, "Hey, you really need to come to this graduation." And at this point, you know, I'm taking care of myself. Like I've heard my mom say she's going to be done, and I was just done with it. Yeah. But I decided to go. And there was a guy who spoke there. His name is Lewis Churchwell. He spoke. And Ray, I can't even tell you what the scripture was that he used, but it was like the Lord said to me, you're free. Wow. And the, it, 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 it was like he had released me from some of the bondage that I had been enslaved to. And I felt like he was saying, now go, like you're going to carry out this call. And so through seeing what he did, he this guy was speaking to a room full of people that were broken and in desperation and in need of the gospel. And I felt like that right there is what God has called me to do that very same thing. And I remember telling my mom and another plums, this is funny. So yeah. There's another plums grocery store in Muskegon Heights. Uh -huh. I remember telling her in the um, produce section, I finally realized what God created me to do. And it's what that guy was doing tonight, bringing hope to the lost. Wow. So you came to Grand Rapids and you started ultimately working at what we call the Kent County Jail, the correctional facility, which houses how many people, by the way? Do you have any idea? At, at that time, the, the total capacity was 1,500. Wow. So we had 1,500 beds in there and we'd hover around 11, 12, sure. up to 13 or so. And it's a maximum security jail. Um yeah, but but prior to that, when I first got to to Grand Rapids, yep. I shared what I just shared with you yes. with a local uh, business owner here in Grand Rapids. Okay, and at that time he was moving into over uh, Roosevelt Park neighborhood by um, mm -hmm. uh, Potter's House High School. Sure, and he was building a home there, and he said, "Hey, I think the Lord's hands on you. I'd like you to come moving moving this home I'm building and help me minister to high school kids." And so that was the first thing that the Lord kind of brought me into here. That is so good, Jason. That is so neat. 
That's so neat. And then how long did you work uh, as a chaplain in the jail? So that was about uh, four years, three and a half, four years. Okay. And touched probably hundreds of lives, I would imagine, while you were. I sure hope so. I mean, I'm, like I said, prior to this, I'm concerned with the one. So if I can just, you know, reach one, because I I think about that day at, I think about that day at that uh, rehab center, you know, I'm, I was just one person. That's right. You know? Yeah. And uh, yeah. And now you're, you're, you're touching hundreds of thousands of people, but it's one at a time, one at a time. And that's the way it works. Did you ever have contact with your own human dad? So um, yeah, that, that was uh, kind of a rocky road at, after I, I got saved and was walking with the Lord. I wanted to go to him and, and tell him, hey, look, I forgive you. You know, mm-hmm. I had seen a lot of things that he had done and said. And I told him that I, I forgave him and I wanted a, a relationship with him. And so, um, you know, I wouldn't say we had the best relationship, but at least there was, uh, I think, some restoration there. Okay. And, uh, you know, he, he, he passed. Did, he ask, did he, he ask forgiveness or did you just give him forgiveness? No, he, he didn't. He didn't ask. He didn't ask for forgiveness. He didn't. And he was just gone. He, he never lived with you. Is that true? I mean, you've never. So he lived, he lived in and, in and out of our house growing okay. up. Okay. Like, uh, like elementary school, he'd be in and out. He'd be in long enough to uh, beat my mother, get kicked out, get a restraining order, and then wow. he'd be gone. But it seemed he would always come back. And I, I remember uh, the last time I was probably around 15 or 16 years old and came home and my mom and her friend was there and he had, um, you know, hit my mother again. And uh, I was coming from wrestling practice with a friend of mine. Yeah. And this friend of my mother's said, hey, I'll give you $500 if you two go over there and beat your father up. I'll wow. give you $500. So we looked at each other. I was like, you because I'll split it with you. We go over there. I tell you what, Randy, I was so afraid. Mm-hmm. You know, I really didn't want to do it. But, you know, so we go over there, knock on the door. And I say to him, hey, you know, what? why'd you, why'd you touch my mom or something like that? Mm-hmm. And he shut the door and told me to go home. So I just went home. I thought, hey, okay, I did, okay. I did okay. my. Yeah. So the next time, the next time that I would walk that driveway again, in that same manner would be that I'm knock on the door and tell him, Hey, look, I forgive you. And I want a relationship with you. And here's, what's awesome about that. Randy, my dad calls my mom after that and says, Hey, what's going on with Jason? Wow. She's like, she's like, why? Well, he just left here. And you know, he said he wanted a relationship with me, forgave me. She goes, I, I sent something different about him. I could see power in his wow. eyes. That's so good. Oh, and 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 from there, you know, it was, you know, I tried to call him, yeah. but at that point, we, we had really never bonded. Yeah. So it was kind of like this very surface sea. Yeah. And when I did get around to really wanting to dig a little deeper and know him better, uh, he was starting to struggle with dementia. Oh. And then he passed. He oh. passed in 2020. How about your mom? Did she ever come to faith in Christ? Do you know? She came to faith. So shortly after she got out of that treatment center, Look, a year or so after that, she came to Grand Rapids, lived with my brother, um, uh, started uh, attending my wife, which was my girlfriend at the time, Julie, yeah. uh, her small group, and gave her life to the Lord and, and got free of alcoholism. So thank you, God. Uh, at, yeah. And at that time, her, her 
system was shutting down. She had cirrhosis of the liver. So the last six months of her life, she was she was drug and alcohol free. Uh, she was going to church, and uh, yeah, so she she finished strong. So you fi- you've like obviously say. forgiven your dad and your mom, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah. How Definitely. about for, how about forgiving yourself? Has that been an issue at all? Just that's ask a me. great question. No one's ever asked me that. That's that's sometime a daily task. I get it? Oh, totally get it. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I totally. But um, yeah. But I I have a, a friend of mine a good friend of mine tells me you just need to begin to preach the gospel to yourself that's you good. need to remember the gospel and so that's why i believe that we need to hear the gospel daily we need to apply it to our lives daily yep. in order to live out a, a, a vibrant life in christ we have to be people who have been forgiven yeah that's good so let's well thank you for sharing your story that is such a neat story i'm just so thankful to god for for his grace, for me, but for you, for everybody, really. It's just, oh, he is so incredibly kind. We don't deserve him. But let's just talk for a few minutes, if we could, about this fatherlessness thing. Okay, yeah. Because that is really, I got a graph here just to show how how that has just changed in, in America uh, for you know, a number of years I mean, back in 1980, it was less than 20%. In fact, if you go before that, I think you go back even a few more years, it's like 4 or 5% in the country of, of children born mm. born to women not married. And now it's, it's well above 40% where it's been since about 19 or 2008. Um, and in fact, in, in the inner city, it's like 70 or 80% which is just so sad. And and again, you were born yeah. in a situation like that. But yep. then there's an incredible correlation uh between between you know fatherlessness and lack of educational attainment, drug abuse, suicide, crime. I mean, you know, I was a juvenile court judge for 15 years. And you know, 90 plus percent of the kids that came before me who had broken the law Come, came just with a mom, no dad mm, in the court. Yeah. So, I mean, you don't have to convince me that there's a correlation here, uh, in which by the grace of God, you, I mean, you, you've gotten over that and, and, and on the side of now you're helping folks, but but it's a problem. You saw it, you, you mentioned that, the, the other guys in your area, you know, drugs and everything else. And um, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's going on in our inner cities. Uh, you know, and this actually some of the, this growth and, uh, you know, the being born to, to the unwed moms came as a result of, of Lyndon Johnson's great society that he created. He said, yeah, all it get dad's good for is is to bring home a paycheck. The government can replace the paycheck for crying out loud. Well, that doesn't work. Mm-hmm. We need dads. So. I mean, number one, you agree with that? The dads play an important role in in a kid's oh, life. wholeheartedly, yeah, yeah. And not that moms are unimportant at all, but somehow dads play a huge role. In fact, there's a there's a scripture that that you know that I always find. I'll just quickly throw that up on the screen, and then let's talk a little bit more, um, just about about that. You know, that grandchildren are the crown. This is Proverbs 17, verse 6. Grandchildren are the crown of the aged, 
and the glory of children is their fathers. Now that's from the ESV version. More modern translations just say parents, but it really is fathers. Um, mm -hmm. they, it, again, it's not that mothers are unimportant at all, but for some reason, God's wired it into us that that uh, He wants us as fathers to to be to play a role in our kids' life. In fact, Ephesians six four: Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. That's that's the command to us dads. Yeah. Um, so, but a lot of dads just say, "Ah, eh, eh, whatever. Let the let the little woman raise them. I got other things to do." So. You've seen or, the or 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 about or it. they ahead. feel or they feel that they don't know how. You know, um, I lead the men's ministry at Calvary Church. Yes, and they're longing to know how. How do I lead my family? How do yeah. I do this in a way mm -hmm. that honors God? I really want to, and um, I need to be encouraged in that. Yes. So you know, we we I go a lot to back to the book of Joshua a lot in, in Joshua where he's called to go and you know, uh, fight for other people so yes. that they can have rest yes. just as he's received rest. Yes. So us as Christians that yeah. have now been freed and um, understand the power of God in our lives, I feel it's our duty as men of God to now go and rescue others. You know, it was great that that lady came over across the street and invited me to church, but how many men on that street mm. had the opportunity or God asked them, to come invite me to a ball game or show me how to fix brakes on a car, whatever yeah. that might be. Yeah. Show me how to mow the lawn. I don't even know how to do that. Mm. I think, you know, encouraging men that they're needed, you know, especially in the church, a lot of them feel like they're, they're not needed. Yeah. And I know that's a big, you know, discussion to have, but for me, I feel like affirming men um, of their call, yeah. of their call to lead and guide and protect yeah. with a gentle strength. Yeah, I think it's just one of the greatest callings that he's placed on us as yeah. men. You know, the, the sinful reaction that we men have to stress is to become passive. Mm. A woman's sinful reaction to stress is kind of the opposite. Get the claws out and try to fix it. And, you know, First Peter 3 talks about how wives who have an unbelieving husband need to pray for that husband and then let God, you know, communicate. But the other thing is that we men need not to go passive. We yeah. need to swallow hard and take that bloody step of obedience toward that teenager that's out of control or that wife that's kind of mad at us or that yep. problem or that neighbor that needs help. As we hear the Spirit prompting us, again, my prayer is that as you and I communicate here and as people watch what we're saying and listen to what we're saying is that men especially will say, God, whatever you want me to do, I say yes, like Joshua did. He moved toward, mm -hmm. he, you know, yep. he followed God because God says, do not be discouraged, do not be terrified, for the yep. Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. I'll be right there. And yep. we're not alone. And uh, yep. so, that's such an encouragement. Yeah. And I think, you know, the biggest thing for men right now is just show up. Oh, I love that. Just show up. Yes. That's all God is asking us to do. Show up. I've gone before you. I fought for you. Yes. I sent my son. He's died for you. Yes. Show up. And I I love, uh, I don't mean to, I don't want to get preachy here, but I love that verse where it says that his his strength is made perfect in our, in our weakness. weakness. And if most men would be honest, 
Yes. They're going to say, I just feel weak yes. when it comes yes. to leading my family, to being yes. a father and yes. a husband. And that's right where we need to be. It's that's a humble right. state. That's and it right. allows him to come and yep. just hover over the waters yep. of our heart. And trust so, God. Trust God like, like Joshua was told to do. Believe yep. and take that step. God will be with you. And he'll yep. help us. And I, again, perfect? No. But but that is so good, Jason, is to show up and trust God is going to come through. His strength will be made per. I love it. It could have just said, God could have just said, my strength can somehow survive your weakness. No. It's yeah. actually made perfect as you're weak and as God is strong through you to be like David and Goliath, this little punk versus this huge giant. With a <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Shot. Give me a break. Yeah. But God is almighty and he'll be for you as you take those steps of obedience, dear yeah. fathers out there that are listening. So that's so good, Jason. Yep. Thank yep. you. Yeah. Amen. Well, anything else you want to add before we uh, close? Just that I, I wish my, my my wife was listening because th that was the fastest I've ever told my story. She'd be really proud of me. She's like, I love that. Hurry up, hurry up. Yeah. Oh, so, well, it was well but, done. Uh, I just well, thank I'm so you. thankful to be your brother forever and uh, thankful for the work you're doing at our church and uh, just leading with courage and love and wisdom. And we need to keep praying for you, but uh, but but we sure I appreciate, appreciate it. all you're doing, my brother. So why don't you close us in prayer? I'd love to. Father, thank you so much for this time. Uh, thank you that you've ordained this, mm. Lord. Psalm 139 says that you have fashioned our days. And so, Father, I pray for those that may be listening to this. I pray that by your Holy Spirit, you would encourage I pray that by your Holy Spirit, those that need healing or restoration in their family or relation, whatever that might be, I pray that you would do something in their lives this season. Yes. And most of all, I pray for all of us, Lord, that you would give us a boldness in the strength to mm -hmm. be the one who invites, that we invite people in yeah. until this wonderful story that you're telling, the gospel. Mm -hmm. So we thank you, Jesus. We thank you for all that you're doing in and through us. We pray that you would continue to watch over us and keep us and help us to advance your kingdom yes. for your glory. Amen. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Jason, amen. thank you so much for being with me. Thank you, Thanks. brother. God yes, love you. Thanks. Thanks for joining us. For more information, go to grandawakening.org. That's grandawakening.org.